Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monacelli. My avid followers knew this podcast as Pleasure Seeking, the Pleasure Seeking podcast, named after my book, The Magic of Pleasure Seeking. As soon as it's available for pre-order, I'll announce it here. Enjoy your listening. My guest today, Travis Fox, said to me, look, I've been on radio for 15, 20 years. Anything you throw at me, I'll be okay. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. Travis, hello and welcome. Welcome. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Now, the, what can I say about you? One of the things that you want to talk about is sexuality and trauma, but can you introduce yourself and then we'll start talking about other things? How's that? Sure. Yeah, I've been, uh, I'm a doctor, producer, director, Emmy Award winner, uh, teacher, been doing it for 31 years. And what kind of doctor? You, I'm a double doctor, PhD in psych, and the second one in clinical hypnotherapy. So I study conscious and subconscious modalities and have for 31 years, both in corporate personal training, mm-hmm. but also at our academy level, and also what we do in our gamification and our tech side. And so part of what we do and have been doing, it's been the quest of my life, is why can't we combine entertainment, entrepreneurialism and self-transformation because the only way that you really can make that work is when you realize that all three are actually one and they've been in separate fields for such a long time now that it became almost uh so segmented that the illusion is that in our entrepreneurial world you know we, the clock turns off at five o'clock well that stopped in 1960 right yeah so the reality check is whether you're a ceo or whether you're an entrepreneur or coach trainer facilitator it doesn't matter yeah. Your business is you. So whatever the glass ceiling of your business, 99% of the time, it's because of either you, the culture, or the sales pitch, or whatever. But let's go back to the truth. It's you. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm me, right? And I hear, <laughs> and usually things happen by word of mouth. I keep saying that. I really do believe that no matter what medium we're working in. So I'm you. And I hear the buzz and they say, hey, this guy, Travis Fox, he's really, really on the ball. You got to go. He will change your life. He's going to change the way you do things, the way you work, the way you live. All right. I write to you. I finally get in touch with you. You finally answer. You're so busy. And then what do you do when when I'm you know that I'm 100 percent on board, ready to come to you for some kind of uh, consultancy? What would you, what's the next step? Well, I'm going to interview you first because when people come and say, well, I'm ready, 99% of the time they're ready for what they think they're ready for. Right, sure. They really are, they need to work on whatever that right. may be. Right, So there's a, there's multiple paths, but the easiest one that we, we do for people is we, we send you to our Quest app. And our Quest app is adventure style. It's gamified. And the reason that I do that is after 31 years of teaching and around the world, I've learned one you know, kind of simple truth. Is that if it's not fun, you're not going to do it. I right. don't care how good a coach I am. Or, okay. You, know, you can put all the letters you want behind my name. So, so what does it, what, what will I experience when I do that? Uh, when you go through the Quest app? Yeah. Yeah. What does it look, what, do, what will it look like to me? Will it ask me how, you know. I don't know what it'll look like, but I can tell you what it's going to feel like. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Shoot. <laughs> Yeah, the first thing, first thing we're going to do is we're going to take you into a fantasy realm where yeah. you can do a little bit of an emotional disassociation. Good. In the simple language, we've gamified it and Good. we've made it an adventure. Perfect. Then we're going to take you into what's called archetypal symbology. Whoa, so I love see- that. Say that again slowly. <laughs> we're going to take you through archetypal symbology? Yeah. Yes! yes. I work yeah. with archetypal so, psychology. Good. 
Yeah. Yeah, me too. But we did Good. it in a gamified way because if you've studied Carl Jung or any of the the archetypal symbology, it can be daunting. It can be a little scary yeah. when yes. someone says, well, Claudia, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take you into the shadow. We're going to do your deep shadow where people are like, I'm out. I'm ready. No, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm well, ready. I know you are, but you're, you're the exception to the rule. Okay. Listen, can't. We're talking about humanity here, not All right. Claudia. All right. Although, if it was Claudia, if I had okay. you know, four billion of you, the world would be a different okay. place. Okay. That would be awesome. All right. We're working on it. Okay. So the whole point is to take you through archetypal symbology, one, so you can see how you're showing up mm-hmm. and, and where your imbalances are within Good. yourself. But Good. more importantly, you're going to start to see how your culture of your company, you're going to see how your clients show up, and you're going to be able to create a psych profile in literally less than three minutes. My so you own. you can understand where they're at. My own yes, psych. your okay. own and, and, the, and the person you're talking to. Okay. Because again, if you're in business, you're in, you're in the people business. I don't care what business you're in, you're in the people business. Okay. So we have to learn how we're showing up and where they're showing up and start to make it fun. Number one fear, as we know in the world, is still public speaking to this day in yes. any fashion or format. Absolutely. Which to me is, you know, I've been on stage since I was nine. Yeah. So to me, it's, I'm the oddball, but I can't make that assumption for people. Okay. And over the years, we said, okay, well, what if we took it into the fantasy realm? Right. Of let course. them explore over yes. here where the yes. quote unquote consequences don't seem so real per se, mm-hmm. and the rewards are fun, but then you take it back into the reality world where you can go, oh, okay. My subconscious doesn't know the difference between reality and fantasy. So now they start to overlay on each other. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to take you through your top seven fears. Again, all gamified, all in fun. Okay. Hold on. All right. Before I get to the fears, I have, let's say I go there, I have this beautiful game, whatever it is. Then I have a company and I interact with my clients and all of that. So if you do the fears before we talk about my company and who I interact with. Is that right? No, they're simultaneously and concurrent. There's no uh-huh. such thing as my company and me. Okay. It's one. Okay. And right. And I, again, this doesn't matter whether you're a CEO, an employee, a coach, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because you are the dreamer. You're the business owner. You're the, mm-hmm. you're the driving force. So even if it is a company you have board members, maybe you have too many of the same archetypes in your board and yes. that's where the blast Got it. becomes. Got it. You know, example, everybody thinks they're a bloody warrior. I'm like, you're not. You're mm-hmm. a part warrior and warrior doesn't mean fight. Mm-hmm. Warrior means heart. Means okay. You're the heart of the castle. This is the reason we're doing it. This is the this is the purpose. Got a lot we're of heroes. Doers. Got a lot of heroes yeah. out there too. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, well, we all we all want to be you want to hero be heroes, dream, yeah. You have to, in order to be a king and queen of your castle, okay. you have to have all archetypes yeah. at your sure. call and, and balance. All right, now and this also applies to you. Yeah. another Go question. Ahead. So, I uh, on my board I have a lot of the warriors. Right, I've got out of twelve members, seven, eight. 10 are warriors. It's hard to get rid of a board member, right? Right? Uh, if you're asking me a legal statement, uh, I can <laughs> no, say no. That, that depends on your corporate structure. Yeah, so, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll say yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's, know, it's, in my it's, world, no. Well, uh, yes. unless you want to start just getting rid of people. So in my mind, it's difficult to get a, a rid of a lot of warriors. Is there an alternative solution to in your mind of how to oh. deal with that? Yeah, and it's not in my mind, it's in the results that we generated. The uh-huh. bottom line is not everyone on your board is a warrior. They are okay. playing all right. and all right. presenting that. Okay. And that's fair, because we all have warrior capability yeah. archetypes in us. What I teach is also, and all, all of my fellow teachers, we teach you how to see the wizard, the bard, and the jester, and yeah. help them shift without yes. having to do personal transformation or some deep yes. kumbaya. Yeah. we got to get this team balanced right. right now. I need that wizard brain of yours mm-hmm. to, to engage. So we actually teach you how to shift that 
and invite them to do it again in a very fun way. This isn't about I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You need to do this because I'm telling you that that hierarchy of crap needs to go away. That's not creation and that's not fun. And Mm -hmm. when it's not fun, people stop. And also now you've got bigger issues and you start working in the business versus, you know, on the business. Mm -hmm. And both are requirements. But then from there, when you do it, you start to see it. It's not daunting to go, you know, Claudia, hey, man, you're a kick butt warrior. You're the top shelf. And that's awesome. But I know that there's more parts of you. I know that you have this brilliant brain, this wizard mind of yours. You also have this beautiful bard in you that's got this deep passion that's not being released uh-huh. fully for the company or for yourself. Right. And there's some gesture sequences. Let's look at that question. You can ask two or three questions and they'll shift themselves. Okay. You don't have to do it. Okay. Because again, if you're busy having to manage these people all the time, yeah. you're diverting the attention to where it matters most, which is your audience and your, your customers. Okay, so let's say um, as Claudia, my business, everything. What is a regular uh, or an average time that clients work with you? Oh, that's easy. Uh, If you're talking one-to-one with me, it's no more than 30 days. I've had that rule for almost 20 years. And here's why. Uh, I I do not, and I'm anti-codependency. I hate it. I think it is the worst thing on the planet. I am a blueprint teacher, meaning I will teach you the blueprint of everything that we have learned in our collective hundred years between myself and my partners and how you apply it. Mm -hmm. There's the second reason. There's only one of Travis and there's 7.4 billion people on the planet. It's not an effective scale of model. model. And three, if we're going longer than that, there needs to be something larger tied into it, i.e., okay, we're restructuring this company, we're reculturizing this company, we're taking your hiring and firing process and streamline it to save you the tens of thousands of dollars of the hiring and firing process, then that might be different. But it's still me talking to the client saying, here's the things we've implemented, I want you to go implement it, and then I can help you guide through that because it's your company, it's your business. But for me to step in and say, okay, I'm going to do this for you is insane. It doesn't okay. make sense. So we uh, actually teach you how to do it. What is the shortest amount of time that you work one-on-one with? One Usually. hour. An hour. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. common? I, I don't know if it's common. It's common for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. <laughs> that sounds like fun. I don't know if it's for anybody else. But generally within an hour, we can figure out what the core structure is from conscious, subconscious, and down yeah. to actually, which is the yeah. belief structure itself. Yeah. What's actually really driving it? And then when you when you create that space, there's this beautiful thing that happens called you're already enlightened. You just mm-hmm. were dulling yourself. Yeah. It's not about becoming more enlightened or even a better you. It's about you finally just being you, yeah. the real you. And that's when this beautiful magic happens. And you call it magic, you can call it law of attraction, you can call it, you know, synchronicity. Hey, the bottom line is you're being the authentic you. And when that happens, magical things happen. All right, now I'm going imagine. to bring you back in time. All right. So uh who was Travis in his adolescence? High school Travis. Oh, that was easy. I was raised <laughs> as a warrior bard. Uh, Sorry, yes, you were raised where? As a warrior and bard, um, even though I'm a natural wizard by my own archetypal structure. Mm-hmm. So I was raised as a warrior from my father, who was a military fighter pilot, logical left brain. But simultaneously, my mother, who was a model and an actress, and I got my right side, which is my bard side. So I was doing two things as a kid. One, I was heavily engulfed because of my father, but I was also, I started my first, you know, uh, runway modeling at nine years old, working for JCPenney as a runway model. So I would do both. And mm-hmm. for me, I got to explore both sides of, hey, this is my uber creative mm-hmm. entertainment, you know, and simultaneously my logical because of golf is an extreme thing. And uh, I was always a gregarious person. I love people. I love being out there with them and among them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always put myself in the position of, 
of P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum had a big influence on me when I was young, and so did Dr. Dennis Whaley, which I, I got to do a film with him last year, which is oh, amazing for me interesting. to have that experience. Uh, because you know, Doc is, the, is really the quintessential, as far as I'm concerned, uh, thought leader and business consultant and self-transformationalist all in one, especially yeah. when you, you know, got to the psychology of winning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So between those two massive influences, they've really been these kind of rudders right. throughout my entire career. And so I would, you know, I'd be in front of people. I, you know, captain of the golf team and, you know, I was on the spirit club. I was a quarterback. I was just that, I was like Ferris Bueller. What made you get into, um, at a college level, right? University level. What? Oh, Easy. Uh, I became a head case. No problem. I always tell people what makes me a great, great head coach and have been for 30 years is I was a head case. So I know what it feels like to emotionally crack. I know what it feels like to psychologically just paralyze myself with you know, wizardry analysis. And I also know what it felt like to understand that who I was being and who I am was a very large gap. Okay. So and let's so say, let's say if that. you don't mind sharing it with us, um, what does it look like? Uh, the head issue and cracking and what did you go through and how long you know the experience the difficult part of of uh realization of where you were going yeah to go. good question uh i was 19 i became a first-time father uh, my golf my golf career had gone to crap and i went in as a real estate major because oh. real estate made sense Ooh. to me and realized uh in that process, when I went to the psych department, I said, hey, I need some help. My, my head is not on square. I don't know north from south right now. What's up? And the model that was presented was more of a 40 and, and slightly gestalt model. And I said, guys, that's really cool. I'd love to talk about my mom and dad. But right now, I need to know why I'm not hitting the golf ball anymore and why I'm out there and I'm an emotional mess. Yeah. Why I can't hold my thoughts together. Yet I've trained for you know 15 years mm-hmm. at that time to be that guy. And had a great success with it. And I met my mentor, and my mentor just sat down and asked me a question. And he said, uh, are you happy? And I didn't know how to hell answer it. Mm. I was like, what do you mean, am I happy? He goes, what does that have to do with it? He goes, are you happy? Mm. And as we went through that process, and he invited me to the process, which ultimately became you know, my life's path and my real purpose, I realized two things. One, no, I wasn't happy because right. I was playing golf for my father. My father and I could only relate on the golf course. Otherwise, my father was still very resentful from the divorce of my mother back when I was nine, and he'd mm-hmm. been carrying this. Well, I, had, I happened to look like my mom. Came with the spacesuit. Uh-huh. I could do about it. So there was this subtle undercurrent of resentment, and then you couple that with my my mental attitude that he had instilled in me, which was perfectionism. Well, that's really cool, except for golf is impossible to perfect. It's a, yeah. it's a game that cannot be perfected. So you put those two uh, factors together and it just accelerates the point where you're not happy about anything. You're not happy about yeah. the golf game. You're not about yeah. the clothes you're wearing, the people you're with. You just turn into a real schmuck. Mm-hmm. And I was just miserable. And to admit that, that, hey, dad, I don't love golf. Yeah. I happen to be good at it and I like it, but I don't love it. Well, that just, you know, set my relationship with my father in a tailspin oh. because that's, you know, what he wanted. Yeah. And we're back to that why codependency for me is such a powerful thing. I'm like, Dad, you play golf because you love it, but you don't have the chops to play it. But that's not my fault or responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing not to play because I'm not bloody happy. Yeah. And as a parent myself now, the three-time parent and a grandfather, you know, to me, that's the, the lesson that I learned from my father was to instill in my children, hey, yeah. I don't care what you do, how you do it, as long as you're happy because, man, life goes fast, so let's get on it. And that became some of the impetus of my work. And then ultimately, uh, my dissertation was actually on golf. 
No, you're I joking. Was, uh, Which um, MA no. or PhD? I can't imagine PhD. it. You're joking. Uh, PhD. <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> what was the title? How to hit the ball? What was, <laughs> what was the title? No, no, I can hit the ball just fine. That was easy. And so can anybody else. The question is, can you do it repeatedly? And what's wow. going on mentally, emotionally? So it was actually called, Are You, uh, it was called, Are You Afraid of the Bogeyman? The Psychological Effects oh. of Cognitive Psychology, mm-hmm. Clinical Hypnotherapy, and at the time, Neurolinguistic Programming on the Mental Side of Golf. And after I did my, my studies, we did a, a month-long uh, study between a group that was practicing and a group that was doing my methodology, which later became an infomercial and a book and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't practice at all physically. They went through each week training that I brought them through yep. in golf. And when we did our control studies, we came back and realized that the group that went through our program improved their game about 4.3 strokes on average without any physical practice. And that started to validate mm-hmm. all of the things that we were dealing with. And I said, well, wait a minute. If we can do this for golf, why can't we do this for business? Why can't we do this for personal transformation? Uh-huh. And most okay. importantly, how can we do it for parenting and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And here we are, you know, three decades later, you know, long story short. And I still play golf and I still coach it to this day. You know, I mm-hmm. still work with the juniors to this day. But when I work with the juniors, I'm working with them from the mental side first so that they understand who they are and how they're showing up using archetypal symbology because it's fun. Well, when you say course, juniors, who do you mean? How junior? I mean, high school... Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, high school and then uh, you know pre-college or sometimes right into university, I'll be working with those Mm -hmm, guys. mm -hmm. Uh, And when I do it, it's always about the life skills. Because golf to me, it it was it it was always been great to me. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I coached for ten years on the PGA Tour. I had amazing experiences. I got to make peace with the game and peace with my Mm -hmm. father, at least internally for me, uh, about the game. And so I said, hey guys, you know. You don't have to put so much pressure on yourself from that perspective, but let's look at these life lessons because yeah. you're going to learn how people work, how you work, success, failure, disappointment, and you're going to learn how to mitigate them and assimilate them and use them in a, in a frame that actually propels you to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So I do it and do that. And most of that stuff is philanthropic for me. I still do it for fun. It's not a, mm-hmm. it's not a primary source of financial <laughs> revenue for me. Listen, but, we uh, briefly, you briefly mentioned fear. We just, you know, threw it in that sentence why don't we talk about that if you would like because you mentioned fear uh, a while ago um you have the floor now i don't know how to give you the floor with that because i'm not no i'm not sure where you're going to start with the fear well i'll start with the most basics of ones okay the first the first fear is uh me being myself okay because we're conditioned not to be i.e the most simplest of examples is fake it till you make it uh-huh. Well, why the hell would you want to fake it and make what? Because then when you get there, everything you've been built on is basically a straw house mm-hmm. because it's not you. It's a version of you projected. Mm-hmm. The second fear is obviously public speaking. Third is fear of success, which is actually, in my opinion, more pervasive than the fear of failure because mm-hmm. people are comfortable with failure. In fact, they expect it. They expect it. What they're fearful of you know, is being successful because success then changes who you are, how people view you, et cetera. And until you've had that kind of success... You know, there's no way to explain it. But what we do get to look at is what are you scared of when you become successful as you define it? Then it's about your good health because as entrepreneurs, CEOs, business owners, coaches, facilities, whatever title that you carry, most people, and I'm guilty of this too, and this is what I put my studies on, was our self-care is not a hierarchy of value to us. It's of our top 10 things that we do. It's number 11, mm-hmm. which again is bass backwards only because yeah. if we yeah. don't take care of you physically, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, sexually, relationship, it's going to show up in your business. Right, it's right. going to show up. And so when you look at that, that becomes a fear of uh, people going, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, if I put myself first, what will people think? 
I'm like, well, if you keep putting yourself last, there won't be anybody to think about you. Right. Let's start with that. So we take you through the fears and then we, we take you through a, a whole journey of your pit of excuses. And we are all master hypnotists, which I think is hilarious. Hmm. People are like, I, I don't know hypnosis. I'm like, yeah, you do. You convince yourself of crap every day. You know is not true for <laughs> you, but true. you do it anyways. That's hypnosis defined. End of discussion. <laughs> so when you learn it, everything that we do is actually reverse hypnosis. And this is what, you know, uh, Doc taught me. And I really didn't realize until almost 20 years later of, oh my gosh, he's such a brilliant teacher that he said, hey, you know, this is really why you're going through this is people are already hypnotized. They hypnotize themselves. We do it every day and they don't do it with malicious intent or mm -hmm. some, some other version. We just do it because we don't understand what's going on here in a fun way. It doesn't have to be this big, deep rabbit hole. Okay, here in, in the, in the you know, 14 you know, mind body. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you. Because oh, people gosh. aren't oh. listening. I mean, they you and your own being. Right? Mm -hmm. your, your being is a central axis of your journey. Mm -hmm. Everything stems from you in your world. And the, the easiest way to couch this is simple. Look, the world doesn't revolve around you, but you are the center of your world. Right. Mm -hmm. Therefore, whatever's going on here, whether you consciously believe it or not, subconsciously and shadow, that's what's going to show up, which is why the law of attraction is so misunderstood. <laughs> yes, think, it hey, is. I think it, yes, it it's, is. That's an, it's such an insane, which is part of why the, you know, the movie, we released the movie last year, which was the sequel to The Secret, to go, hey, guys, time out. You don't just think it and a Ferrari shows up in your driveway. Yeah, you know, if that was the case, you know, Ferrari would be the number one company in the world and everybody would have one. However, what is really happening is not the conscious intention. It's what's going on in the subconscious belief and ultimately your shadow down here with the emotional trauma and all the emotional housing that we stuff down mm -hmm. because if someone finds out we're scared or we're vulnerable or we don't know what we're yeah. doing or whatever, that's what's really going to happen, and which is where people constantly battle with themselves. Mm -hmm. like, well, I know I've got my, I've got my journal, I've got my vision board, I've done everything they told me to do, and it still hasn't happened. Like, that's because down here is what's really running the show. But what if you made it a fun way to go there and go inside what we call the dungeon of your castle and look around, look what you've trapped inside you, and stop your addiction. And the addiction that I believe, and all of my partners believe, the number one addiction on the planet is the addiction to the search. Mm -hmm. I got to go find my purpose and find my passion and find my, right. my soulmate and whatever. So my question is when people say that, I'm like, well, where are you looking? Yeah. Is there a map to that? I mean, did you, you know, do you have a blueprint? Yeah. How, where are you looking? And most of us have to go to the school of hard knocks per se. <laughs> so that again, then brings us back to the simplest of uh, uh, mission statements for us was to go, wait a minute, how can we come out so highly educated, but we're application stupid? Yeah. We don't know anything, right? Because it's all theory and it's all test taking for tax dollars. At least in the United States, I won't speak for any other country, but in our country in particular, it's, it's we take tests for tax dollars. That's insane. That's yeah. not education. That's just pushing people through a system. Learning is what the quest is all about. Mm -hmm. And it's designed for everybody. Whether you have a hundred bucks or a hundred million, it doesn't matter. And so we made it fun. And when you make it fun, people will do it. Because yeah. listen, we all want to have an adventure. It's called life and it goes by quick. Yep. So who wants to hang around and, you know, be miserable and yell and scream in boardrooms and stress out? And I'm like, uh, okay, if that's the path you want to take, who am I to tell you what to do? However, probably not going to be enjoyable and people probably aren't going to hang around you very long. And since we're all in the people business, that might have an effect that you're not interested in. So what if we switch this? And I'm not talking about being, you know, uh, just completely jovial to everything, but everything can be made fun. Made and I'm not fun, talking about right. fake it until you make it. It's look at it, understand it, and go, oh, okay, got it. And just that simple switch will flip everything in your world 
And all of a sudden, now you're having more fun and becomes infectious. Now you're starting this law of attraction. Now you're starting this thing. um, And from there, there's deeper techniques. The book that I just got out is The Magic of Pleasure Seeking. (laughs) That is fun. Listen, you briefly mentioned a couple of times um, the shadow, our shadow, and uh, dancing around the shadow. Let's talk about that. Um, For you, what represents a shadow of a person? Have you seen the shadow of other people, clients that you come into contact that appeared differently? Have you ever dealt with a person's shadow directly? Have they been clear about what their shadow is to you? Um, how do you deal with that? Or Yeah, the answer is yes to all of the above, including my own, um, as well as my partners. We, we, uh, we're all accountable to each other, and we're all you know, master teachers in our own right with mm-hmm. 25 years of experience in our respective fields. The shadow is a simple way to describe, and I always do it in metaphor. If you can imagine a castle, and you're supposedly the king and queen, then whatever's down in your dungeon, that's your shadow. Now, mm-hmm. that could be your secrets. That could be your secret desires. That could be your traumas. That could be your vulnerabilities. Those could be also things that you have stuffed so far down out of your conscious awareness, but they are still walking around in your castle like a ghost per se, showing up and scaring the crap out of your guests or you know your, uh, mm-hmm. your court per se. And so when you look at the shadow, the shadow is really the part of us that we hide not only from the world, but more importantly from ourselves, which then further validates we are all master hypnotists because that yeah. takes a powerful hypnosis to create a separation mm-hmm. from me, myself, and I. Which, and then if you look at that, that's personality theory. I've, I've created three parts of me. Yeah. Hmm, do you, how's uh, that work? <laughs> do you, when, when you interact with clients, um, is, I mean, you get a lot of smoke and mirrors, I'm sure, but is it easy for you to, you know, go through all that dungeon space and have this person really come face to face to that shadow? Is that part of, you know, yeah, it is for me, but again, I'm also 30 years into the journey of, yeah. my, of my work. No, that I, for you, for you. But I mean, yeah. with with a client, is uh, do you yeah. interact with that part or do you get them there or do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was answering. Uh, for me, it's easy to do it with a client because ah. I ask very specific, okay. specific okay. series of sequence okay. of questions. It's called architecting. And it's not architecting as building a a building or a commercial building or a house, it's you. You are architecturally built mm-hmm. by what we call the four pillars. And that's your mother influence, your father influence, your religious influence, and your cultural influence. That really kind of makes your base plate network. So when you start diving around in there, you can start right away and find the shadow. But again, it's done in more of a fun way. So we actually bring the archetypes in it. So people can create a little bit of distance from it and sure. see it. Sure. Not fully disassociated, but disassociated enough that they can see that the they can see it. And it's, it's huge. Right. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it fun because sometimes you're getting in there and you're like, for example, we, we briefly mentioned, you know, if you get into like sexual trauma or physical abuse, right. you know, or addiction, yeah, you need to be able to look at it, you know, from a little bit of a distance because otherwise, you know, you're still embodying it. You're still in mm-hmm, the experience mm-hmm. in and of itself. Yeah, and then time. you're leading into this topic, this uh, sexuality and trauma. Um, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. what, how you put them, I mean, is sexuality sexuality or is trauma and sexuality, are they together? as a topic yeah often often i found they're together because we our sexuality often is an expression or more often a withholding of what sexual trauma we've had down here whether it's a judgment whether we've had sexual abuse whether you've had molestation divorce whatever and they could be a plethora of things you know it could be just being made of fun on for a simple thing like you know a religious influence that says hey if you masturbate you're going to blank whatever right. it is right that trauma to a young child 
carries with us all along. Mm -hmm. And we start looking at people from that perspective. We look at ourselves from that perspective. And then we start creating personality parts to adjust, right? Okay, here's here's Travis out here, the non-sexual trauma, and it's got all these things and everything's perfect, but on mm -hmm. the inside, when that experience comes, and it actually comes to the physicality, the other Travis shows up. The Travis shows up that's maybe a little more introverted, that's scared, that feels judgmental, that won't fully express, won't allow uh, mm -hmm. his, his heart to show up. Those are all examples, but that also, uh, in my opinion, when you have those kind of traumas running around, and we all do in some form or another, I, I've met very few that actually don't have some sort of engagement with it or judgment around it, and even have a, the judgment around curiosity. Mm -hmm. Just, hey, I'm just asking a question. There's this massive judgment that will come back from wherever it comes from. And all of a sudden we get very introverted about it. Going, well, I better not talk about that because, you know, Claudia's going to think I've gone off the rails. I'm just on one of those yeah. nut jobs. Right. And so we, we hide ourselves and that becomes a shadow effect. And then that has a dualistic approach. One, how do you ever really, really, really connect with your partner mm -hmm. if you're not even showing up? And then two, how do you really connect with yourself? And then you spend a whole life being two people or more. I mean, heck, being yourself is enough. Having to manage all the personality parts is a full-time job. And it drains you emotionally, energetically. And in some cases, even the, the pursuit of just, like you said, pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit mm -hmm. of joy. And pleasure doesn't always mean sexual. It could, in fact, often it doesn't. Yeah. It's just, hey, I want to go climb a mountain. I want to surf the right. 20-foot right. wave. Or I want to go dive and swim within a coral reef. Those are all pleasurable experiences for a lot of people. But when we combine it and we start judging we are ruthless in our wizard mind of judging ourselves. We are absolutely tyrannical. Hmm. And when I listen to people judge, and again, guilty as charged, I, I can be a super well, wait, wizard too. Give me too, an example of that because that's not in my mindset. I don't, in this country, in Italy, that's mm -hmm. the case. People are always judging themselves, so much so that I, I, I can't get, wrap my head around it. When you say people are also always judging themselves, what do you, give me an example. Yeah, so when you look at the wizard mind, which is the archetype for the mind, right? Mm -hmm. There's a sequential issue. Uh, we all taught this. And by the way, my family's from Italy, from Napoli. So I, ah, I've been to the country, I've been to the home country many times. I wouldn't and, have guessed with Fox. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, 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 then you're going to tell yeah, me that, your that, real that. last name. <laughs> well, yeah, it, well, it is my real last name, but my family name is DeMeo. Ah, so, DeMeo. You know, DeMeo is Naples. Yeah, it's Neapolitan. DeMeo. Neapolitan. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Neapolitan as we come. So having yeah. been, been to the home country, been there many times, uh, it is that kind of space. However, when we talk about judgment, we all have uh, our wizard brain. And a part of the genius of our wizard archetype, we all have this, is that we, that's where we really do take the analytical. We can see things. We can break it apart. Mm -hmm. We can analyze and look it down. But there's always a balance in the universe. And there's a balance in the archetypes. And that balance from the wizard mind is it always finds the flaw. Mm. Now, at first we start externally, which is the judgment in and of itself. Some of that's necessary, most often it's not. But then often the wizard turns upon itself and starts judging the self and says, well, here's your flaw. You know, you're not in the gym X amount of days a week and, you know, you're getting older and you've got silver hair and things ain't the way they used to be. And all these little things that we don't pay attention to and think that they're just kind of soft comments. Mm -hmm. Well, it's Angel saying those thoughts are either you know building the bricks and the path that you're walking, or they're building the bricks of the walls of yourself in your own prison. You choose, but most of us don't pay attention, and we're taught this very strong hypnosis, and it is worldwide. And that is, you know, it's mind, body, spirit. Mm. And when you hear that comment, it doesn't sound like that. It's kind of an innocuous thing. Who cares? But if you actually listen to its sequence. You're asking mind to solve itself, which means it's going to analyze itself and it's going to find the flaw and then analyze that flaw and find the next flaw and analyze that. And before you know it, you've gone down the spiral staircase and you've never gotten past mind. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's why most people never get into the subconscious. They never get down mm-hmm. into the heart level, and they certainly don't go to yeah. shadow. They never do that yeah. Yeah. because they can't get past their own guardian. But that's what we're taught. Yeah. And we don't think it's that big of a deal, but it's a sequencing issue. And mm-hmm. if we change the sequence, now all of a sudden this wizard brain, the brilliance that you are, naturally shows up and now starts working for you mm-hmm. as opposed to against you, which is where most of us stand in our judgment. Mm-hmm. We judge ourselves, not good enough, didn't meet my, my potential, not successful enough, not tall mm-hmm. enough, not skinny enough, not done big enough breasts, big enough that, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, really? So what you're basically saying, and however you describe this in the ethos, you're saying to the universe, to deity, to God, however you define it, I know better about me than you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just really curious about that. Let me know how that works out for yeah. you. Yeah, how does that work out? <laughs> Listen, now I'm going to ask you to think long and hard about a case or, or a company, whatever your client look like, looks like, um, that was so unsu- It was a tragedy case. It was some, you couldn't, you couldn't work with them or it just didn't turn out the way, you know, you had hoped or the client had hoped, a failure. Was there, is there a failure case that you can talk about? Sure, except for I don't believe in failure. No, okay. Yeah, well, something that could have developed. Failure, failure implied. Right, something yeah, well, that. anything could happen. Okay, possibilities yeah. are infinite, but I don't, I don't argue failure because okay. that's the exact wizard I just talked about. Right, it's okay. It's going to say, well, right. it failed. Right. So I'm like, well, then. Well, a case that, you, you, that could have worked out differently for the person, they came in. They came in with uh, one expectation. They went out and, uh, you know, it didn't, didn't meet their mark. In their own sure. mind. Sure. I mean, uh-huh. uh, of course, there's, I mean, that's that's what I really work with every one of my clients and all of our students too is, hey, look, if you set up an ex- expectation model, what you're basically saying is it has to look exactly the way you think it yeah. does or everything else is a failure. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at expectation model and then we look at the second part of what is a failure and a success to you. Mm-hmm. However, for me, one of the things that I always do is, I, if we're going to call it a failure, if I'm going to put it in, in okay. that language, I would say, you know, Every student that I've trained at the master level, who are master architects, who are out there doing the the training that we've taught them on the academy side, does everybody apply it as much as I'd like them to? No. Okay, I get it. Do Mm -hmm. I want them to? Yes. Okay. Can I make them do it? No. No. (laughs) Okay, I get it. Get (laughs) it, get it, get it. Right? But when I, I, because I'm like, look, here's the the keys to Solomon's fortune. I'm teaching you everything I know, and so are my fellow teachers. Go use it. Yeah. But now we're back to this whole, I'm not yeah, good yeah. enough shadow model, mind, body, yeah. spirit. And mm-hmm. they'll go, you know, and we, again, wait, that's what we talk about quitting before committing because no, most of us will say, no, no, Claudia, I'm committed. <laughs> I'm going to go all the way through. And then about, you know, three weeks later, they're like, yeah, but, you know, the dog needs to get walked and I got to go water the lawn. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. really? There okay. was, um, well, I'm laughing because you're making me think I've been teaching a long time myself and very, very mm-hmm. early on, there was a colleague uh, who was older than me. She was English and um, I would, you know, rack my brain. The students, you know, some of them just don't feel like they're, you know, just don't feel like doing things. And I would complain to her one day. I said, you know, look, I can't stand to see students sitting there warming the seats and not doing 100%. I put in 150%. She turned to me and she said, 
you got to get used. She would have said, suck it up if it were now. But she said, you, you have to get used to it. Yeah. We're all different, yeah. she says. Don't expect yeah. that. And you won't feel, yeah. <laughs> you know, disappointed. Yeah, I, I can so relate to you on that one, too, because yeah. I mean, all you're zealous. You're like, I yeah, change the world. I know, gonna, of course. I, find, I tell all my master's students, and, and you know, I, I teach you three times a week still at the academy. And it's like, hey, guys, here's rule number one of architecture. Yeah, right. become, comfortable with, become, become comfortable with the word, okay. Just, okay. Okay. That's what you choose. Okay. Just because that's your first lesson. Like, well, that's it. I'm like, that's it. Class is over. Get out. I'm like, if you're not, if you're not comfortable with the word, okay, here's your first experience. Become comfortable with the word, okay. Lesson's over. Goodbye. See you next week. And I get to watch all of that dynamic that we just talked about happen in real time. And I go, that's what I'm talking about. Now go sit with that, but we can understand expectation mm -hmm. model, what you think success failure is. And that's where your journey starts. And then we're going to take you through the academy yeah. and then you graduate. But become comfortable with that because a lot of times I feel, especially in the coaching, training, facilitating world, especially as of late, and I'm sure you can relate mm -hmm. to small people, is the coach or the trainer is, I need you to perform to validate me. Yes. Like, yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's I, not whoa, the yeah. yeah. That's not the case. That's not how yeah. this works, kids. But that becomes this pressure point yeah. to succeed to validate the coaching, et cetera, et cetera, or that they paid X dollars right. to go this process. Right. And to me, that leads into a very, very slippery slope. And I've done it. That's mm -hmm. how I know it. I did it when I was younger because I wanted to change. Yeah, yeah. You've got to be the best thing ever since, yeah, you know, yeah. cheese. Yeah, since uh, cheese. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Right? So when you, get, yeah, when you get back into reality, you go, time out. Our, you know, in our particular case, is take you through the quest, make it fun, give you all the tools you need to be successful, and be okay with whatever you choose. Yeah, yeah. That's all we can do. Yeah. And that, that sometimes feels like a failure, especially to people like you and I who yeah. are very passionate yeah. about what we do. We love what we do because we love people. Yeah. And that's our business. Yeah. But when you get in that reality check, you, you have to become comfortable mm. with okay. And I found when I became comfortable with okay, all of a sudden they started getting results because there was no pressure to validate. Anything. Right, right, right. But right. that's, yeah. as the coaches, you we got to go through our own shit. Yeah, I know. Listen, like you can't teach what you don't know. I know. <laughs> that's true. Listen, I, I want to give you the opportunity to talk a, about some a case. I call it a case study of um, something that went beyond your expectations, your wildest dreams, how they developed, how how their work developed, or they themselves developed. Um, could you talk about that? Oh, you must yeah, have a lot. I, but... I, I could be here for five, I could be here for five <laughs> years. Because, uh, I think one uh, good one. I have been... Yeah, I've been really pleasantly surprised uh, with you know, a lot of people who've gone through the quest as of late who have really exceeded what what the quest was designed for. Wow. Which is, hey, I said, hey, that's fantastic. We don't know what we don't know. We've put, you know, there's there's over 26 hours of this journey that you go yeah. through, and it's fun. But also, the people have taken it and said, you know, it, this is what I learned. I learned about where my fear came from. Uh, my fear of public speaking had nothing to do with my sales or oh. my HR. It it had to do with something that happened in fifth grade. You're like. Hmm, oh, that's interesting. What are you, you going to do with it? Well, then they take it, for example, and I'm, I'm actually replaying one of my heads. I talked to you and they take it and they're like, well, wait a minute. Why can't we take this to, to all of our clients? And I said, you can. And they're like, well, well, how do we teach that? I said, teach me how you did it. Take what we gave you mm -hmm. and how did you expand on it? And they did. And now so much so now, it's, believe it or not, it's actually expanded to the point where it was not part of our original revenue model or business model. Yeah. But now they're licensing the Quest app from us and saying, we want to teach this, mm -hmm. this part in particular, to all of our clients. 
okay, hey, I didn't know what I didn't know. Our, mm-hmm. Ours was for, you know, the, pretty much, you know, everybody in the space who's in that world. Yeah. But they went to a different level with it. And I thought, well, that was really cool. And what made it interesting for us is we got to look at, well, you know, the way that structure is designed is to get to core. Mm-hmm. But then they took it beyond core and said, okay, if I'm experiencing this, my partners are experiencing this, maybe our clients are experiencing this because we're pushing it on them. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, that's fairly astute awareness on your part. And what a beautiful ownership. That's yeah. the king and queen archetype where yeah. you're pulling all four of your archetypes together. And I went, wow, what a cool thing. I mean, I've had success in sports with sports figures. You know, I'm unfortunately I'm under NDA, so I can't name their names. But <laughs> let's, let's just say that, uh, you know, they, uh, yeah. taking them to a whole new place. But it's not because of the their physical skill. It's because they released more of who they yeah. are mm-hmm. into the experience. And that, you know, again, that goes from interesting. golf to that's NFL interesting. to visual basketball. Yeah, so I get to look at that and they go, you know, what's cool about it, and again, you, you'll most likely relate, is as a, as a teacher and as a filmmaker and as an entertainer and a, really a showman that loves to teach through metaphor yeah. or thematic learning, I get to watch, wow, hey, that's another component of the journey right. because I only know what I know. I don't know what I don't know. Yeah. So when they bring that to me, it's, it's a beautiful refreshment for me to go, <laughs> you know what, that was really cool. I really yeah. appreciate it. I'm going to go dive into that and let's see how we can morph that in. Does it fit or is that just a beautiful reflection for me to watch you go through yeah, that? Yeah. Either way, cool. Yeah. And uh, it, happens, it literally happens every day. I get testimonies every day. People go, wow, this happened. Like, Dang. <laughs> I really, I thought, that's awesome. I hadn't even thought of that. That's Travis. Can um, I write that down? That's great. All, you know? all, all of these wonderful things that we've been talking about. One thing I like to ask, but I don't ask everyone. Uh, there's an expression sure. in Italian, um, have, to have a dream in, in the drawer. And um, do you have any dreams in that drawer? still oh, that yeah. haven't been absolutely. that haven't materialized oh can absolutely. you tell us one yeah oh absolutely <laughs> i'm very vocal about it because i believe that you know you don't know who the next person is that could help you along that dream and the only way the only thing you do know is if you don't talk about it no one can help yeah so good that's on you so our mission statement at the quest is we are on a quest as a corporation to, to win a Nobel Peace Prize for helping change the educational system, specifically oh, America, globally, yeah, back God. into a learning system my God. and get into this. And so we are deeply rooted in that philosophy, which is why we gamified it and why we made it fun. Because if you can do it from the adult and bring the kid out and the adult and make their business fun again, then starting with kids is mm-hmm. a blank slate. And now we can really make generational change and get us out of this militaristic thing that we call education now, which is sit in a row right, and talk right, to right, right. all this other crap, as opposed to inspiring what was already beautiful when they came in before we decided to conform them into something to yeah. make it fit. I'm mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. That's where the missing pieces come in. So we're, you know, when you really look at who we are, yeah. you know, part of what we do is we help you find the missing pieces within yeah. you, but we do it in a way so you, it, it's fun. And kids know how to have fun. And we do too. The problem is we decide to fake it till we make it an act like, well, mm-hmm. I'm being serious, mm-hmm. not being professional. That's like, too well, bad. Great. You that's go right along and do that. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's good for you. Go have fun. <laughs> Dr. So, Travis Fox, I don't know how to thank you for coming and thank you. just giving us so much fun. <laughs> thank you thank so you. much for taking thank the you. time. I really appreciate Pleasure. it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.